0: think about your social media strategy from a content marketing and organic perspective.
1: Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io/connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Do you want to deliver marketing moments that last a lifetime? Klaviyo is the ultimate marketing platform for e-commerce With targeted segmentation, email automation, SMS marketing, and more, Klaviyo helps you create your ideal customer experience. See why Clavio is trusted by more than 50,000 brands like Living Proof, Solo Stove and Huckberry. Keep your customers coming back. Get a free trial at clavio.com slash honest. That's k-l-a-v-i-y-o.com slash h-o-n-e-s-t. Hey everybody! Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host Chase Clymer. Today, bringing to the show a super smart guy. Uh, definitely am familiar with his old agency, and then now his new agency. Uh, he's uh, a subject matter expert, uh, I would say, in kind of the e-commerce space, and he's going to bring a lot to the table here. Uh, we're going to really dive in and discuss uh, kind of what you should be looking at as an investment. In partners and technologies and solutions from a brand's perspective, and like how to evaluate stuff like that. Uh, Without further ado, Ross Byler, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
0: Doing well, thanks, Chase.
1: Cool. So I gave a quick kind of background on you, but I guess let's get dive a little bit more and talk about your history and kind of just like what was the path that led you to your current job as the COO of Trellis.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I um, actually started uh, doing freelance web design and development while I was at uh, college, uh, Babson College. And it was kind of crazy enough, lucky enough, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to call it to be able to have just enough client work, uh, where when I graduated, I could move back home with my parents, (laughs) do it in the basement, uh, and just see how long that would kind of take me, uh, take me on. Luckily that turned into not just a freelance practice, but a a small agency, uh, which grew over time. That agency was called Growth Spark. You know, sort of grew that from myself to a team of about a dozen or so folks. We had a very strong focus on WordPress back, let's see when I started in two thousand and eight. Um, we actually had our first experience working with Shopify in two thousand and ten. So pretty early days of Shopify. And by 2000, probably 2013, we actually made the decision to go all in on Shopify. We had done a really big custom design Shopify project for Johnny Cupcakes in 2012. It was one of the first more custom design sites at the time. Just had a great experience with it. They had a great experience with it. We fell in love with Shopify and we basically didn't look back. So continue doing that, uh, until about 2018, uh, where I had the opportunity to, uh, team up with, uh, with the folks here at Trellis. Um, we merged, uh, Spark and Trellis into a kind of. What our our agency is now. So when I came in uh, after the dust settled, you know, in the in the beginning of 2019, we were probably about 35 people, uh, and we grew to just over 60 people by the end of 2019. So we had a pretty crazy year last year. Uh, this year has obviously been a little nuts with with COVID and everything like that. But we are we are back on a growth trajectory. We're almost 70 people now. And things are going strong, and e commerce, you know, with all the crazy growth it's had this year, is not going anywhere but up uh, soon. So, all very exciting stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's fantastic. So, you essentially have been in the Shopify game and ecosystem for about 10 years, which is probably about as long as most people could say they've been doing <laughs> it, unless they were on like the core team over there. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Since 2004, Avalara's vision has been to harness the power of cloud technology to help simplify sales tax for businesses of all sizes. Avalara solutions are designed to affordably scale with businesses as they grow over time. Tax compliance is not a revenue generating activity. So Avalara's technology is designed to help you manage compliance as efficiently and accurately as possible so you can reclaim your valuable time and reduce risk in your business. With more than 1000 signed partner integrations, Avalara likely integrates with the ERP, e-commerce, mobile payment and point of sale systems you use today. Find out how your business can be sales tax ready at avalara.com/honest. That's a v a l a r a.com/h o n e s t. Avalara, tax compliance done right. So with that experience, uh, and then obviously my experience as well on my side, essentially we we kind of had a a conversation before, and an episode uh, that we've never like or a topic we've never touched on the show is really like the investment levels and the dollars and cents behind all the stuff we talk about on this show. You know, we have founders on here all the time, or other subject matter experts, and it's like you should do this, you should do that we don't really talk about the dollars behind it and the expectations that you should be, you know, having when it comes to making these investments and growing your brand. So, you know, kind of with that, where do you think we should start the conversation?
0: That's a great question, because uh, you know we have had so many client conversations. Merchants come to us, and you know they're they're looking to make some sort of investment in their business and their site, and they obviously are always everyone's budget conscious. Even if you have a hundred million dollar budget, you still have to keep it in a hundred million dollars. <laughs> um, so I, I think for us, you know, or for for me at least, when I'm having those conversations, I I always try to understand. What their real goal is, you know, what the outcome it is that they're looking for, uh, but also what stage of business they're in. I think that's something that it's very easy, you know, especially for newer merchants, startup companies to sort of look at the bigger players in the market and get really excited to try and do a lot of the same stuff and build a lot of the same infrastructure. And that's all good and great. And eventually you do have to make those investments. But I think there's a certain amount of, of consideration that needs to be given to the timing. Of those investments. So, you know, the way I like to just to create a little system around it, generally think about these things is sort of putting companies in sort of one of three buckets. The first are, are those that really are getting off the ground. Let's say they at least have their product figured out. So, we're not talking about product creation or development here, but they get a product, uh, you know, they've got some semblance of, of how they want to position themselves, you know, who their audience kind of is. Um, and they're, they're working on establishing sort of the foundational e commerce infrastructure. That they can manage with a really lean team on a really lean budget and then get to a million dollars in revenue or maybe even a couple million dollars in revenue. That's sort of that first group. The second group are those that have really locked that foundation in. And now it's about scale. You know, it's about, hey, we want to go from a million to 10 or from five to 50. And they're thinking about things like automation and streamlining and you know, how do you replace job functions with technology and how do you centralize customer data? And they're really starting to get into creating a, more of a machine behind their business. And then that third group uh, is, is what I would consider more the, the enterprise stage, where you're not just worried about you know some automation and, and standardization. You're actually now thinking about global market reach, um, managing multiple business units at, at the same time. You're thinking about translation. You're thinking about multi-currency. You're thinking about uh, maybe uh, disparate technologies and not just worrying about how your email marketing data marries with uh, your customer data, but now you have multiple email marketing platforms or multiple inventory management systems. So, um, to try and keep it simple, I think those three groups—you know, the sort of startup, the scaling, and then enterprise-sized businesses—seems to be a good way to to start conversations by figuring out where a merchant fits into that little spectrum.
1: Yeah, and I, I I think that's a great way to approach it. It's pretty spot on to how we approach things over here. Um, and it, I would just say for the majority of this conversation, the what we're going to talk about as far as investment levels and uh, expectations are probably going to fall more into the startup and the scaling mm-hmm. side of things. Yeah. Enterprise is such a wild card that it's just like... Budgets oftentimes aren't really a problem when you're talking about solving for enterprise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the technologies and the stakeholders involved and all that type of stuff. It's a, it's a whole different game. So yeah, I totally agree
1: yeah, so the one thing that I think is often when you're talking about startups is there's there's that phase before when you're talking about the product ideation and stuff. And finding that product market fit, that is often what people need at that stage. And it's something that I don't think any agency can do for you.
0: yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there certainly are agencies out there that can help founders navigate some of the tooling and systems out there. Like the lean startup method, you know, helping people with prototyping. I think there are some agencies out there that can help with you know aspects of that. But oftentimes people are so budget constrained and and so aggressive in their timelines that even then it's hard to take advantage of outside uh, folks. You know, you really got to take a DIY approach and just do it all on your own.
1: Yeah, and that's actually probably the first thing we should talk about. If you have more time than budget. You should probably be DIying a lot of this stuff, <laughs> yep. so yeah, I think that's a great little segue into kind of our favorite kind of do-it-yourself tools for uh, you know a, a young hustler trying to get out there and, and make their brand. You know, if you were in a coffee shop and someone was asking you stuff and they had no budget but they had time, where would you point them?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So let's kind of elaborate on that use case. So someone's got, you know, they got, like you said, more time than budget. They've got a product in mind already. So it's about okay, let's get something built off the ground. Let's assume they're using Shopify.
1: That's key. You have to have a product, yeah. a real product. Yeah. We're not talking about doing a printful dropshipping brand here. You don't want to do that. You're going to make no money.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a whole different world. <laughs> so let's say you've got your product and you're like, All right, I really want to build that kind of foundational uh, e-commerce infrastructure. We'll assume Shopify. I think it's it's honestly. Hard to make a case not to use one of the pre-built themes that are available Uh, between Pixel Union and out of the sandbox. I mean, they've got just such well-built, easy to customize themes that really help younger brands position themselves in in a professional, clean, intuitive way that, you know, a great logo, some great marketing uh, collateral, some great imagery, great video can really take one of those pre-built themes and make it feel fairly unique. Of course, there are limitations down the line as you grow as an organization. But for almost any brand that's getting off the ground, it's hard not to make a case uh, to have that first build just take advantage of one of those pre-built themes. Um, so I would definitely start there before I worry about you know any kind of custom design work beyond the branding. I would say that when it comes to branding, that's one thing that people seem to fall into one of two camps. Either they don't care at all <laughs> and they underinvest in branding. And, and the problem there is that it doesn't have the level of differentiation or the level of professionalism that it needs to, or they way overinvest in branding and they overthink everything and they try to make everything super branded um, to the point that they run out of time or money. So there's sort of a happy medium, you know, where you you work out identity, uh, you work out packaging, you work out some of that the key collateral. Uh, but you don't become too, too obsessed with it, that it becomes a limiter in you being able to move forward.
1: Yeah, I I cannot agree anymore. If you have no sales record, you do not need a custom theme, period. Like Mm -hmm. Honestly, I even can say, while you're scaling up to $1 million and you're in that startup phase, you can get away with a premium theme. You do not need a custom theme at that size because you're going to be investing more time, energy, and money in that when you should be focusing, kind of all of that energy into scaling, like trying to get to the next step into marketing and into collateral to use for more sales.
0: Yep, exactly. And and honestly, one of the biggest pieces of pushback we get from clients when it comes to recommending pre-built themes is they'll say things like, "Well, you know, I want to create custom landing pages, or uh, you know, I want to, I want to do something different that the theme can't do out of the box." And that's that's often true. Um, you know, there are only so many templates that these pre-built themes offer. My recommendation, you know, almost across the board is install Shogun. Shogun is is one of the best apps out there for Shopify merchants. Super affordable, allows you to create custom layouts for product pages, collections, uh, landing pages, blog posts, you name it, you can do it. And it's a drag and drop tool. So it's extremely intuitive for non-technical users. So great option for a DIY uh, startup founder.
1: Yeah. And I do just want to shout out uh, at our agency, we actually will push people towards impulse by archetype themes. That's our favorite theme to use these days. If it's, you know, something where we have to use an out of the box solution, that one's a great one too. I'm pretty sure that the guys from that team are ex Shopify employees. So they make a really good product. Nice. Awesome. Cool. So if you got a little bit of a budget and you fall into this camp, I guess let's talk about what expectations would be having a someone that knows what they're doing, you know, build you a store and maybe use one of these out of the box solutions. It's kind of like you get what you pay for, but I guess where should the starting investment B and a. there's there's obviously a lot of moving parts because every website's different, but like kind of just sits to level and set expectations for people.
0: Yeah, great question. I, I think the, a good way to look at it is it's from my experience if we're talking pre-built theme, you know, minimal apps to install, uh, you're not doing any, you're not touching any code, and it's really more about populating the the theme settings and content and things like that. You're probably looking at if someone knows Shopify twenty to fifty hours worth of work. You know, if you're really going to go through it and, and, and spend some time. So, you oftentimes can find freelancers to do that work. You can find agencies to do that work. It seems like most organizations offer like a fixed fee, you know, or productized version of this. They'll do a store setup for three grand or five grand or 10 grand or whatever it is. If you're remotely technical, there's almost no doubt in my mind that you can do it yourself. If you're talking about staying within the constraints of a pre-built theme and using Shogun and, and keeping the apps, you know, pretty tight. So it really comes down to do you want to save that time? Because if you've never worked with Shopify, you're definitely going to have a learning curve. You're going to be on the 50 plus hour, you know, timeframe of of getting things done versus hiring a freelancer who's done it 20 times they can probably bang it out in that, you know, 20 hour range. Absolutely. So that that is one of those things where you have to think about you know the the value of your time and do you want to invest that in other spaces. But I would say you know on the freelancer side, um, I've seen a lot of people charge three to five k. It seems pretty reasonable. Agencies have a little bit more overhead, so you're going to see bigger budgets there. Oftentimes they'll want to bundle in additional services. Maybe they're including branding, maybe they're including some sort of uh, uh, you know marketing kickoff strategy or something like that. Um, so those tend to be more in the 10k plus uh, range, depending on what they're bundling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then it's something is to be said here is if you have a product that's pretty normal, you're not having anything a little bit more out of the box that like it's something you definitely probably do yourself, but if you start talking about things a little bit less normal uh, and I'm sorry to be vague here but like if you're talking subscription <laughs> setting up subscription the right way is actually kind of a pain in the butt yep. uh especially with Shopify um actually today they just announced some cool new stuff on the subscription front uh so I can't wait for that to be rolled out but it's still yeah. it's still a, a, a pain in the butt because computers only do what you tell them to do and if like your subscription is weird where now you're tying it to certain dates or you need uh some sort of custom Functionality built out to buy a product with these certain expectations of the product, like weird variants or like weird customizations to your product. Like, you are no longer talking like easy. That's actually pretty custom.
0: Yep. Absolutely, and and I and I would add to I think one benefit of hiring you know a freelancer or an agency to help you out with this stuff is that they they tend to know the app ecosystem really really well. So as a merchant, you can go to them and say, listen, you know, I've got to figure out how I want to handle returns and support and inventory tracking and subscription and email marketing. Like I don't know where to go for all these things because Shopify is great and it does a lot, but it doesn't do everything out of the box. You inevitably have to have some uh, set of apps installed along with it. Working with a partner, they often can recommend, and they've used you know all the top options out there. They know how to install them. They know the quirks. They know all the the, the subtle requirements of getting them uh, up and running. So I think that's where, especially if you're talking about you know, building out a real foundation for your e-commerce business, that's where taking advantage of another partner and having them do this work can can end up saving you a ton of time.
1: Yeah, and then just going back to what you said earlier about it being a little bit more expensive to use agencies, and they kind of want to bundle stuff in. That's true. We're more expensive than those numbers you quoted, but we force you to do other things. For example, Mm -hmm. we force you to set up email automation from day one and get an actual email collection strategy in place. Because without that, you're going to like pay yourself later on. So we literally force every client to do it from day one.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's smart. I mean, I, I think it's it's one of those things where you know if you're looking at it and saying, okay, you know, what what is the absolute bare minimum I need to do? I mean, you can really. You can pair it back, right? I mean, you can use a Shopify built, pre-built theme. You know, you could use their marketing uh, email marketing tool. Uh, you could stick to their uh, transactional email templates. You could you could keep it absolutely bare bones if you want to. Um, but you, those are the kind of corners to cut that aren't really going to benefit you in the end. You know, thinking through the email marketing strategy, um, thinking through your your email sign up strategy, thinking through your support strategy. It's it's pretty critical because you're going to see you know, those things break very quickly if you don't have a strategy in place uh, pretty early on in the sales process.
1: Yeah. And then just talking about uh, like how long things take and doing it yourself versus having someone else that knows what they're doing. It takes honestly like 40 hours to do clavio the right way, which is our favorite tool <laughs> for email automations. And it is usually... People be like, Oh, I have Clavio, And then we look at it and it's like, they're not utilizing it and it's not working for them because so many things weren't done. Uh, Because it is a beast of a setup.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I, I think, especially where a lot of merchants are coming into this often for the first time, Technical setup aside, I mean, they're not necessarily familiar with all the different types of flows, all the different types of campaigns that you would want to consider running. You know, an agency or freelancer who has that experience can come in and say, "Listen, you know, we know almost almost without a doubt, uh, you know, you do this for reactivation, you do this for VIP, you do this for first time, you do this for loyalty." Like, get a couple of those set up out of the box, and you're going to see some pretty quick return uh, on those campaigns almost right away.
1: Absolutely. What do all e commerce stores have in common? That's right, customers. And those customers are going to have questions. Gorgeous is the leading e commerce help desk with over 5,500 customers on Shopify, Magento, and Big Commerce. Their software is built with machine learning to optimize your support system and allow your team to save time and money on repetitive inquiries while still remaining personalized. What it does is take all of your customers' insights and information, brings it into their amazing dashboard so you can solve your customers' problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest to get your second month free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot L I N K slash H O N E S T. And then I guess let's pivot a bit to not on like the um, project side of things which I mean the big, biggest project in in kind of that neck of the woods would be building out your theme and building out your website. You know, what should people be expecting when they're talking about marketing? Like what kind of budget should they be bringing to the table and you know, where are they going to actually see some real wins, I guess?
0: Yeah. That's a good question. I, I like to think about marketing as um, you know a couple different areas. You've got your your acquisition related marketing. So this is all about getting new first time customers. You know either ideally to buy or at least in your marketing automation system. Um, there's sort of that aspect of it, and then you have your your sort of retention aspect of marketing. So reengaging with existing customers, getting them to buy more, upsell, participate in your community. You know that sort of thing, and of course there's a you know data side of marketing as well. So let's focus on a startup-sized, you know, uh, company. You really what you want to do is think about your social media strategy from a content marketing and organic perspective. You want to think about social media from an advertising perspective and search and you know display and all that type of stuff. That's going to help you the most on ac on the acquisition side. And of course, there's offline marketing. There's traditional marketing. There's you know voice marketing. There's all sorts of different channels, but. Really being able to just hone in on those two things and have a concrete strategy on those two areas is going to be the most critical. Um, on the retention side, email marketing, without a doubt, it's not even a it's not even a question. If anything, I would even say uh, you need to be pretty not just focused on email, but you need to be pretty confident in your strategy around SMS, around Messenger. Around a few other retention channels as well, because um, email is great and it's still proven to be very effective. But it's not the only channel that you can engage with customers. So, thinking about costs associated with these types of things, I would say, you know, for social and organic and content marketing, that's one of those things that I really like to see brands own themselves early on, just because you know you're telling your story, you're building your audience, you're you're trying to kind of hone that voice. There are some great content marketing agencies out there. But I really think that brands tend to do better when they own that themselves early on. On the paid side, the thing with paid advertising is that you have to be willing to make mistakes and spend dollars to discover what ads work for your brand. And so, you know, the first couple months, probably the first ten dollars to $20,000 of ad spend, that's really just discovery money. That's just you getting in there, figuring out what the market looks like, figuring out if there's any opportunities, how expensive things are, what can you optimize around. Uh, generally, if you're willing to spend, you know, five, 10K a month uh, and, and hire an agency, you're going to see most agencies are either charging, you know, some sort of retainer, usually a couple thousand dollars. Um, or maybe a flat monthly fee plus some sort of ad spend fee, uh, or they'll do just an ad spend or or revenue share type model. Um, at our agency, we do either ad spend or or revenue share, uh, which we really like just because it kind of puts our capabilities on the line. Like we only get paid if we produce results for our clients. So we, we kind of like seeing merchants find marketing partners that are as invested in their own success and are compensated in, in their merchant success as they are in their
1: own awesome awesome you you hit the nail on the head there I would say that the brands that I see that win and the brands that are gonna escape that startup phase and hit that scaling phase faster are the brands that have a content production system built within their business I harp on this on almost every single episode so I hope the person listening that's like oh maybe I should probably go do that they just go get started with it <laughs> because it's so it's such a big difference in the the brands on that are actually winning on like paid media through Facebook and Instagram are producing something like 10 or 11 times more content Than like everyone else, and there's a reason it's because it works.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think diversity of content too like play around with video, play around with photography, play around with you know, written. There's so many great channels at the same time. You don't want to try to optimize for all of them all at once. I think that's something that I have seen merchants, um, you know, kind of uh, spread themselves too thin where they're trying to do everything across every channel, and that's just too much. You know, maybe pick two or three. Pick those that obviously align with your audience. If you're a fashion brand, Instagram makes a ton of sense. Uh, you know, like why wouldn't you go there? If uh, if it's a more technical product, you might have a lot of success on a video platform like a YouTube, um, where you're talking about product demos and walkthroughs and tutorials and things like that. So, really knowing sort of where your audience lives and, and how you can best represent and educate people on your product relative to the medium, and use that as a means of prioritizing which mediums you're investing in and which platforms you're investing in. I think that can really help uh, a lot of the earlier merchants.
1: Nobody likes insurance, but everybody should have it. Mistakes do happen. Our partner Rewind can protect your Shopify store with automated backups of your most important data. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button trusted by over 70,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Gymshark, Gatorade and Movement Watches. Best of all, respond to any of their welcome emails and mention Honest E-commerce to get your first month absolutely free. All right, so Ross, I got one last question for you here on this phase. Is you're you're telling mm-hmm. me that I can't really see any results with this guy, you know, he's going to charge me 300 bucks a month uh, and I'm going <coughs> to spend $1,000 on ads?
0: I would say... (laughs) um, I could be wrong. There might be a couple of gems out there who can just produce absolute amazing results. But the experience that I've had is that if you really want someone who's going in there and who's thinking about your business and thinking about your customers and and experimenting and fine-tuning their marketing um, sort of approach based on the data they collect, $300 is not going to get a lot of their time and $1,000 is not going to get a lot of clicks. So it's pretty hard to produce major results with that
1: yeah I mean, just from the get go uh we're launching a course here soon, trying to help people d i y it on the Facebook and Instagram side of things, and we literally say like you cannot come to the table with less than a thousand dollars a month to spend on these ads, and we'd say you're gonna get more results if you can even double or triple that for like just getting started,
0: yep. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it's unfortunate. Like back in the day, Facebook was cheaper, and it was like the Wild West, and you could make a lot of cool money there. I mean, that's how our agency kind of got started. But it is different now. It is not cheap anymore. It is mature. It is expensive, and it's extremely volatile right now. Actually. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's it seems every day things are just all over the place. And one thing too that I'll I'll throw out there is um, you want to optimize for the sale, right? You want to get you want to get the customer to buy the product, of course, but Sometimes there are other opportunities to just focus on getting them in your marketing machine, getting them on your email marketing list, getting them to engage with you on social media. Sometimes it's worth spending dollars just on that and looking at that as the ultimate goal uh, and working on nurturing that relationship with them over time. That's where you really have to pair a strong advertising strategy with a strong email marketing and ideally SMS and messenger marketing platform as well. uh, Because the two of them marry well.
1: That's the easiest strategy to go for in this like zero to $1 million range is honestly, like if you're optimizing for purchase conversions on Facebook and it's not working for you, dial it back a little bit and optimize for emails and then let Clavio do the heavy lifting for you. Mm-hmm. And once you get that flywheel going, it works.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you start to introduce loyalty and referral and bundling and upsell and all this type of stuff, all of a sudden you find you can really, you know, just turn that dial up a little bit at a time and an extra 5% here, an extra $10 there, things can really start to become pretty profitable with a decent
1: sized mailing list. Absolutely. So let's fast forward now. Someone's listened to our advice and they've gotten over the hump and they've entered this now scaling phase of things. It's a little bit of a different world here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the main thing here is going to be like, when am I ready for a custom theme? And what kind of budget should I be expecting?
0: yeah, that's a good question. I think when it comes to custom themes, you want to understand what it is that you're trying to achieve. You know, is it you want to improve conversion and it's about having a more unique way of telling your story or creating a more narrative driven uh, website uh, or or finding a way to just visually engage with the customer better, or are you starting to look at CMS and and kind of technical limitations in terms of how data is presented or what you can do and update on the website? Or are we starting to get into more back-end related issues, things where you've got multiple third parties, you need to worry about data integration and data flow across different systems? So I think when we've entertained conversations around custom theme builds, what we're always trying to understand is what is the ultimate goal? Is it increasing conversion? Is it increasing uh, some sort of control... Uh, is it is it improving operational efficiency, decreasing some sort of cost somewhere? I think you're really going to start there. Once you've got a sense of that, let's assume someone says, hey, listen, you know, we're looking for a custom design, we want to sell more, but we also have a new you know, ERP we're going to plug into the back end. So we're talking about a little integration work. And by the way, we want to make our search and uh, you know uh, filtering experience better. So we want to plug in something like an Algolia. Okay, so now you're kind of hitting all three of these realms. Generally, uh, at least in our experience, is it's hard to get too far with a custom design theme with some of this integration work for anything under 50 k. Yeah, you might be able to do some stuff, you know maybe if you're just doing the design or you're just doing a custom integration. Maybe you can piecemeal it. but I think under fifty k, you're not really giving yourself a lot of room for really thinking through these things and investing in building a private app or in multiple design. Phases or whatever it might be. Once you start to get north of that, and more in the hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollar range, that's when you have a lot more options, right? You can really go crazy on the design side. That's when you're starting to talk about potential, you know, media production budgets. Um, you can incorporate, and honestly, I think incorporating custom media on the website, whether it's photography or or video, uh, that's where you create some amazing experiences. So I, I think. What we like to see is, is merchants that are coming into it with budgets that are healthy enough to meet the objectives they have and be able to have some flexibility so they can experiment with things like multiple design concepts or that media budget, or you know whatever it might be.
1: hey, I-, I can't thank you enough for being transparent there. You know, pricing is always a thing that some agencies keep close to their vest. And it's mostly just because it's hard to set expectations and then someone wants something that's completely off the wall. And it's like you got to kind of have a weird conversation to that point. But <laughs> yeah, first and foremost, we should talk about like on the higher end of those budgets there, that's the kind of budgets that you know all the brands that people are usually saying. I want to be inspired by this brand. So, like, like the mm-hmm. Allbirds of the world, um, you know, all of these brands that everyone's kind of like looking to for advice. They're spending six figures and more on their experiences, and you can't expect to get that in the startup phase.
0: Yep, that's absolutely right. It's something that I think you know merchants have have. Um you know, always big ambitions, which is great, but but if they're if they're working with constrained budgets, you just really need to think about, you know, what's going to take the business to the next level. And once you're you know, once you're teetering around that growth stage and or scaling stage and you're you know you're into several million dollars in revenue. Oftentimes it's not design and customer acquisition and conversion challenges that are the biggest obstacles for the business. A lot of times you're starting to get into more operational aspects of running the business. All of a sudden, when you've got, you know, five million in revenue and you're fulfilling, you know, tens of thousands of orders, you're not using Google Sheets to track inventory, you know, or order status. Uh, you're not manually handling customer support through email. You just you can't do that because those systems break when you start to scale beyond that size. So a lot of times when merchants are coming to us and you know they're in that range, one of the things that we like to really take our time with in exploring with them is what do the operations look like behind the scenes? Because a lot of that, those could be quicker fixes for the business that could open up new revenue or reduce costs. And allow us to then reinvest that into the growth areas, like customer acquisition or, or redesigns for conversion improvements and things along those lines.
1: Yeah, I got two things I want to talk about. There is one I want to talk about why. A custom theme might make sense from a more like technical side of view. But then, two, I kind of want to talk about the differences and like priorities between startup and that scaling phase. So, with what you said there, is in the scaling phase, you kind of are actually focused more on margin and finding efficiencies in where you're allocating your time and energy and your budgets. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the startup phase, you're kind of seeing what the hell works.
0: Absolutely, yeah, it's almost like you think about startup as as sort of very revenue focused and scaling as very much yeah you know, margin or profit focused,
1: yeah, so once you kind of get to that scaling part of it, you can start to almost realize you know you might have some budget for a new website, and I think that the reason a custom theme would make sense for your brand would come down to needing some some of the following things I jotted down here as we were chatting is first is like if your experience is Based on a premium theme, it's going to be an experience that's very uh, broad and not really kind of focused on the experience that you want to deliver as a brand. Uh, So, what I mean here is it's not tailor made to the journey that you really want to get across and it's not tailor-made to the design of your brand. Uh, It's kind of like you took your brand and slapped it into a template. Whereas when you go more tailor-made with a custom theme, you can make it exactly what it needs to be so the journey can match there. Mm -hmm. Another advantage of a custom theme is that it can be fast as crap. (laughs) Uh, These premium themes are really slow. Once you start tying in a bunch of apps and stuff like that. Uh, whereas if you have a custom theme, it's only going to include what needs to be included. And it's going to be pretty fast if you have a good partner kind of building it out for you. Another thing with these premium themes, not premium themes, with a custom theme is you actually can start to replace functionalities that apps are doing for you when you kind of control the whole thing. Uh, and that will speed things up a lot. And speed is key. It definitely helps with conversions. And then another thing, like when it makes more sense to go like custom, is like if you're talking about custom functionalities, and this is when you're getting into like upsells and cross-sells and bundles and like product builders, it's a lot easier to do that on like a custom stack than it is to make it work on a premium theme. With that being said, budget wise there is like a hybrid approach that I've seen a lot of people do where they'll take a premium theme and use it as the base and then customize on top of that and you'll see those kind of fall in between the numbers mentioned earlier so you know to, to like a 20 to fifty thousand dollar range to do a more hybrid approach like that but you're definitely going to lose out on some of that performance elements of it
0: yeah absolutely and and you can't underestimate the impact that performance has, not just on conversion but nowadays also on search engine rankings. I mean, Google's putting a ton of emphasis on performance in their algorithm now um so yeah i I completely agree,
1: awesome and then uh, I mean. On the marketing side of things, it's pretty much the same type of billing. You're just kind of spending more money.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I think you can start to have a little bit more fun experimenting with other uh, other you know channels. Maybe you're not just doing Facebook and Instagram. Maybe you're adding in Google or uh, you know Pinterest, or you're experimenting with um, stuff on Amazon if you happen to sell through that channel, or you're getting into you know other other mediums. Right? People are. Doing podcast sponsorships, and they're doing, uh, you know, voice ads, and they're doing TV ads, and they're doing all sorts of cool stuff there. And you can start to get into, um, you know, retargeting, of course, and uh, more personalization tied to advertisements. There's a, there's a lot of cool stuff you can build on, uh, but a lot of it is still the basics. You're just spending more money, reaching more audience, you know, getting more clicks and buys.
1: Absolutely. Man, that was that was a fun conversation, and I'm sure that we're gonna get more questions about well, what does this specific thing cost? And it's like I don't know if it's super custom. Talk to a partner (laughs) that you trust. Uh, Pretty much, you know, we're trying to be really general here, but uh, the ranges here are pretty standard across the board. Uh, You're probably gonna get cheaper service if you go outside of the states, uh, but it's gonna be harder communication. Mm -hmm. And you know, at the end of the day, everyone, you get what you pay for, and value is subjective.
0: Yep, I couldn't agree more and and part of it too is is just being honest, you know, if you just need someone who can come in and tactically execute a punch list of things, great, don't overpay for that. There's fantastic services out there that can help you with that. But if you're looking for a consultant, partner, someone who understands e-commerce and understands strategy, that's where you need to, you know, be comfortable investing a little bit more in those relationships because they're going to help guide you through a lot of the difficult decisions that you need to make as a growth merchant.
1: Yeah. And I mean, just one thing to point out there is when you're talking about investing in a partner and a consultant, like you may be a wizard when it comes to your brand and your and your understanding of e-commerce, but you have to really let it be known that like, I mean, these people that you're talking to are working with dozens of clients every day. And they're learning way faster than you, so they're going to definitely help you solve faster. And time is money, and efficiencies are you know the difference in this game. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Ross. Is there anything I forgot to ask you that you think would be important to share with our audience?
0: Uh, This is no. I mean, we covered a lot of stuff. I mean, this is all. uh... All really good. I think maybe one other thing I'll throw out there, a little bonus takeaway, um, <laughs> is I, I have noticed that there's often a big difference between what I would consider single product or near near single product companies versus more kind of like marketplace or brand type place, right? Where the the companies that have a core product or maybe a core product with sort of a range of accessories or related products, but we're talking a skew count of ten or, or less, there you're you're often focused on more of a what I would consider narrative driven journey right narrative driven design where it's more about the storytelling it's more about you know that product why that product the history the background the you know all those things that get people excited to buy it and i think in those instances often you know often you actually are a little bit more reliant on the the design of the site you are a little bit more reliant on the media that you're using and things like that Um, Whereas with larger SKU count merchants, that's when you're starting to get into maybe more uh, complicated search experiences, browsing experiences, uh, inventory management issues, cross-selling, upselling. So a lot of times, depending on where you fall into those two camps, you might see that you prioritize certain investments a little bit more than other merchants. Um so I think it's just something to note, you know, you know, are you a, are you a merchant that would benefit from this deeper focus on the narrative driven design or are you a merchant that benefit from a deeper focus on sort of the the browsing and shopping experience through additional apps. Um, just a little little thing I like to throw out there to merchants to think about.
1: Yeah, I always bring up like if you've got a low SKU count like you're going to have an easier time with your remarketing stuff, but again, you might not have what someone's looking for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, this was a great conversation. I know I'm gonna have you back on the podcast. Uh, people are curious, uh, how do they get a hold of you and to learn more about what you guys are up to?
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, feel free to reach out trellis.co. Uh couldn't uh, couldn't pony up the full dot uh, com there, but <laughs> um, I'm Ross at trellis uh, happy to happy to connect over email, LinkedIn, um, Ross Byler. Um, not super active on Twitter, but you could probably track me down there if you wanted to. but uh, yeah, always uh, always happy to chat.
1: I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.